Awesome. I love how our church shows up on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> Missing a few people, but uh, a lot are still here. Wow. Um, this is amazing. We are celebrating 20 years of doing Jesus Burgers in Isla Vista. Just a full-on testimony of who Jesus is. You know, it's, it's wild for me um, to think back on all these years and during worship, man, that song selection was just ruining me. Frick, I'm glad I didn't have to take the mic right away. I was just had to go to my office and blow out some stuff. Um, but I was just reflecting on God's faithfulness. Like that, for me, will be the testimony of this church, of this movement, of what God has done, is he was faithful to this city, and he was faithful to his name being proclaimed in it. And, you know, there's been a lot of years where things weren't as clean and easy and just incredibly challenging, if I'm, if I'm honest. Um, but this is what I know is God continues to bring people. He continues to have his purposes moving forward, regardless of who's here. And all that matters is that there's a yes in our heart. And so for 20 years, there has been a yes in the heart of God for Isla Vista and for what he wants to do here. And so can we just thank Jesus? Hallelujah. Yeah. You know, and I want to honor, this is where I get emotional, <laughs> but, you know, I was just thinking of people who have come through this movement, and, you know, they're not here right now, and maybe they'll listen to this, maybe they won't, but I just want to honor them, and there's a lot of them, and so I'm not going to even go off on names, but there has been people that have carried the baton of his faithfulness from generation to generation out here, and we would not be here if it wasn't for these people. We really wouldn't, guys. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the faithfulness of God through his people to say yes to the Friday night ministry, to say yes to the Jesus Burger house. I mean, there were years, and not a lot of them, where, man, we didn't even know how we were going to fill the house. Like, we had to put it up on Craigslist, and God just brought the most random people, but he always filled the home with who he wanted there. And so those of you who actually who are currently live in the home and have lived in the home, can you stand up? Because we do want to honor you guys right now. Yeah, there's a lot of you. Thank you. We bless you guys. So rad. So rad. Different generations, but super cool. You know, it's wild because we probably have given over, I know we have, over 100,000 Jesus burgers. <laughs> that is a lot of meat. Sorry for all those dead cows, Lord, but kill and eat. Um, you know, and it's so wild because it's just a seed. It's just the seed of God's love. It's just the seed of his faithfulness in, in loving people who are not out there to love God, are not out there to find God. But we have seen so many hearts soften through just the simple ministry of feeding people. And I've seen, I know others have people come to know the Lord out there. We've had people just get radically just arrested by God's goodness. Um, you know, so I just, I was writing some stuff down and, you know, I'm not, I'm, Holly's actually going to come up and share some stuff. So I didn't want to go into a lot of stories. Um, but, you know, a lot of your fruit in life will be hidden. And God does that for a reason. He'll hide your fruit, you know, and I believe there'll be a day and it's a day of he rewards us for what we did in secret and what we did unto him. 
And, you know, that ministry is a seed-sowing ministry. We don't know how God can use a random act of love. We don't know what kindness can do to someone later when they put their head down or when they wake up the next morning. And that's why our role as believers is just to remain faithful and just to love, right? And then Jesus and the Holy Spirit do everything else. Hallelujah. You know, years ago, only like five years ago, there was a guy who came, you know, showed up at the Jesus Burger house and was like, here's my tithe. I've been saving up. And he drops like $2,000. He's like, I was out here partying all the time. And every Friday, you guys would just love me and listen to me and pray with me. He's like, I wanted nothing to do with Jesus back then. But he's like, now I just love God. And he's like, I've been saving this up to when I visit Santa Barbara so I can give it to this ministry. Or it's like, that's so rad, you know. And then South Coast Church has been providing the meat the last, like, three years. Every time I go to South Coast Church, this guy, I don't know if he forgets, but he always grabs me. He's like, hey, you know, I just want to let you know he's, like, 35 now. He's a family. He's like, I was out there, and, you know, and I would always walk past the house. And you guys, I didn't ever want to go in the house because the Holy Spirit, you know, would convict me. But he's like, I knew I needed Jesus, you know. And he's like, and you guys just being out there and just showing up every Friday night was just convicting me, you know. And now I just love Jesus, you know. Come on. <clears throat> Probably my favorite story, though, is... Uh, you know, and it's in the Jesus Burger book, too, so I'm not going to go into detail with it. But when the church first started, those years were chaotic, to say the least. Like, I, it would be hard for me to put into words what the city was like back then. The spiritual atmosphere was nuts. We were probably a few months in when a guy plowed, like, six people. I, I can't remember. I think he killed, like, five in a car. The city was a bit of just anarchy, and, and couches would burn all the time. Like, you just don't see that anymore. You know, side mirrors for days would just be off. Fist fights in the street. I mean, you could do kegs back then, so people would have keg parties. And Anyway, so one of these guys, uh, he came to UCSB. His name's Darren. No desire to follow Jesus anymore. Grew up Christian, over God, done. And then he says in his words, he went to the opposite, where he became an evangelist to pull people away from Jesus. So one day he was um, walking past the house at night. We were doing the Jesus Burger ministry. had just started. And uh, he, uh, he had one of those red cups. But back in the day, if you had a red cup, you have to carry it uh, down or you can get a ticket. And so he was carrying it up, walking up to our house, and he's going up there to tell Christians, you know, how stupid it is that they're following Jesus. And right when he gets to our house, one of our girls comes out and says, hey, you know you need to turn your cup the other way or you can get fined. And off of that small little act of kindness, the Holy Spirit just convicts him. And he's like, what am I doing with my life? You know, and he goes back, he says, right in that moment, back to his dorm, falls on his face. His roommate was creating porn videos in that room, not at the time when he went back that night, praise God. But, um, but he falls on his face and he just says, God, I just, I repent of what I've done and where I've gone and what am I doing with my life? And so that night he gives his life back to Jesus and then he starts coming to the Sunday church, and back then we were meeting in the front yard of Jesus Burgers. Like when the church first started, we just didn't have any place. We're like front yard sounds good. That was like a horrible idea, but like <laughs> we went for it. Um, and we're meeting in the front yard, and he's coming, and he said he just stayed in the back. It wasn't even a lot of people, but he would just cry, you know. And finally, he just had to transfer out of here. Like he just couldn't be at UCSB anymore, and he went to Vanguard. I didn't even hear about this story for like years, like 10 years had probably gone by. And I'm hearing this guy is testifying 
every time he shares his testimony about how God encountered him at UCSB through this ministry, Jesus Burgers. This guy's running like one of the most like powerful churches in the Long Beach area. Some of you guys know Kevin Pappas, right? He goes to that church. It's called the Garden Church, but they're just doing some incredible things for the Lord. But again, isn't that amazing? Like we don't hear about things, but God knows. You know, and that's why there's actually a book in your life, my life, of remembrance, of things God will always remember that we did that were unto him. Hallelujah. Cool. Yep. And then even this week, Ryan Ellis, most of you guys still know Ryan. He was on Sean Bowles' uh, podcast, but he was testifying about the ministry out here and what God has done. But you know what my favorite thing is? My favorite thing is this. I mean, I love salvations. Come on. Um, but... I love when I hear about Jesus burgers that are starting other places. That is so rad. And I don't even hear about that many. Like, I didn't even know UCLA was doing it for like a decade. I just found that out like three years ago. Like, yeah, we've been doing it for like a decade. I'm like, say what? Like, uh, you know, Chico started one up um, up there. Uh, Slow has been doing one for a while. I jumped into this one time, one-off counseling session with this lady. Someone connected me with this lady. And she and her husband, it was so wild because we're just having a counseling session. I'm trying to fill her in who I am. She's like, Jesus burgers? She's like, what do you mean by, like, tell me. And then she figured out, like, wait, this is, you're the guy who was helped part of Jesus burgers in Isla Vista? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. She's like, you're not going to believe this. She's like, we were in a trailer park for a year and a half. And we just started Jesus Burgers off that idea in this trailer park. And God was moving powerfully through this trailer park as we were feeding people every week, loving on them, praying for them. She said, basically, we just took what we heard from you guys, and we just did it there. Come on. <laughs> and then people in Lithuania have hit me up. They're like, we're doing Jesus Burgers. People in Brazil have hit me up. They're doing Jesus Burgers. And then my favorite part is this. No one ever asked for permission. Yes, Lord. I don't have time for that. Do it. Oh, so good. So rad because we didn't even call him Jesus Burgers. We just were feeding people because we love Jesus. And we never got into this for hamburgers, for a ministry, for a name. We just got in it for him. And most of you guys know my story. I'm not going to go into it today. But, like, I got radically arrested by the love of God at 21 years old. I partied in IV a little. I was kind of already done with the party scene um, in San Diego. But buddies would visit, so I'd come out here from time to time, but when I encountered the love of God, you know, and I knew there was forgiveness in this man, Jesus, and, you know, and, and here's the thing I want to say, because some of us have been walking with God for some time. We never graduate the love of God. We never graduate his forgiveness. We never graduate his mercy. Those are the, the, the foundations, but those are the things that we continue to just go deeper and deeper in. Even this week, if anyone's reading the Bible plan, I know you all are doing that as a church family. I appreciate that. Um, but Romans 5, God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we didn't want anything to do with him, when we were enemies of him, he said, I'm going to give my life for you. And your sins and your lawless deeds, I'm going to remember no more. And that record of wrong is going to be canceled out. The certificate of debt against us is washed away. Guys, the good news of Jesus is what fires us up. It really does. I'm not going to read it right now. I'll just paraphrase it. But in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, like, add virtue to this. And, oh, man, I am butchering that. Hold up. It's so bad, I can't even try to paraphrase it. 
All right, you ready? Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellent knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and your brotherly kindness, love. So it's talking about this growing up in Christ and this maturity, but listen to this next verse. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you either useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of Jesus Christ our Savior. And then here it goes. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purifications from his former sins. Isn't that interesting? When we forget that we've been forgiven, when we forget that we have innocence, that we're blameless, that we're white as snow before our God, we stop maturing, we stop growing. It's saying if you're not growing in these things, you have forgotten your purification from your former sins. You've forgotten what Jesus has done for you 2,000 years ago on that cross. So anyway, that's just a little something-something. Hallelujah. Jesus reigns. Hey, uh, the, the founding pastor of this church, one of these days I'll bring him. I know some of you have met him who've been here for a while. Um, his name is Jacob Reeve. This church would not be here if it wasn't for him. It would not be here. He had such a heart. He was a man of incredible vision and catalytic in how he started things and rallied people. But this, the darkness that was in IV, no one wanted to come to Isla Vista. No one was like, let's start a church in Isla Vista. But Jacob and his wife, Kim, saw something. You know, me and Holly were doing ministry with them, and that's kind of how that all just began. But I wanted Demis to read Jacob's testimony out of uh, the first book that we wrote. You know what's cool about this book? A lot of cool things about this book, actually. But this is the book made into Barnes & Noble. So when this hit Barnes & Noble, we were hearing stories all the time. And actually, Isabella, I did see you here. Isabella, you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for that book. Lord bless you. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't read it, it's awesome. I've got three copies of this on my desk. My coworker has three copies of Mere Christianity on his desk. It's awesome. So this is um, A House Holy Unto Him by Jacob Reeve. In 2000, my wife Kim and I regularly attended the college group of Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara, called Reality. One Friday night at Reality, Holly Lomolino, a Westmont College student, and Robin Hewlett, a UCSB student, sent around a clipboard with time slots to sign up for a week of prayer for Isla Vista. Saying yes to helping out with the prayer needs was one of those things I felt obligated to do because of the church's emotional plea of the moment. At the time, I didn't really care too much for Isla Vista. Nevertheless, my wife and I signed up for the 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. slot. We talked about it on the way home, and I said, how are we going to pray for an hour for Isla Vista? I hate Ivy. Despite our reservations, we were faithful in setting our alarm to wake up to pray. We couldn't have guessed what would have happened as a result of those first prayers for Isla Vista. In that hour of prayer, my wife and I had seen God's heart for Ivy. That prayer time gave us enough grace to channel every bit of life channel every bit of life and love we had towards the people and town of Isla Vista for the next seven years. A few weeks later, a really big south swell was hitting the coast of California. I had a free pass to the military base to serve some of the best waves in the state. At the time, I was a professional bodyboarder, and that day I had plans to meet a videographer and photographer at the base to take pictures for my sponsors. The night before, I had an encounter with God, who called me up to the mountains to fast and pray. I had never heard God say much to me before that night. I called my friends to tell them I wasn't coming because God was calling me to fast and pray. They thought I was crazy. 
I said it then, and I stand by it now. I would rather be crazy with God than in my right mind without him. I drove up, to old, drove up old San Marcos Road and found a place to sit and pray. Less than five minutes later, a vision appeared in which I saw a before and after scene of Isla Vista. The before scene showed me the city under its current government of spiritual darkness. The after scene showed me how IV would look if it came under the government of God. The parties had not ended, but the partiers were changed. They had been redeemed. Instead of seeing depressed and empty partiers who were drunk on beer, I saw thousands of people worshiping God in love, drunk on the ecstasy of the presence of the Holy Spirit. God slowly showed me face after face like a slideshow. It seemed like a thousand faces of young partiers from Del Playa Drive flashed before my eyes. I heard a voice say, how could you not? I knew immediately what that meant. If I didn't do something for them, no one else would. How could I not act? When I told my wife, Kim, about this experience, she was cut to the heart. We hugged each other and prayed for the fulfillment of God's kingdom in Isla Vista. We began a Monday night prayer meeting at our house. Britt Merrick, the Reality College pastor, had already been diligently praying for Isla Vista, and he was happy to hear that others had caught the vision. He let me make an announcement at Reality. By the next prayer meeting, we had four others join us, Ashley, Luke, Mark, and Graham. We didn't know what we were doing. We knew only that we had to pray. Our group remained small, but to this day, I have not seen a prayer meeting more productive than those early ones. It seemed as though every prayer we prayed was answered within a week. At the time, it seemed like the church body of Santa Barbara had almost completely forsaken Isla Vista. It was as if Isla Vista was Goliath. Everyone we talked to would say something like, Ivy's going to hell, or Ivy is Sodom and Gomorrah, or Ivy is the pastor's graveyard. These were all intimidating statements, but praise God that Christ had compelled us to believe a better report. We figured that Isla Vista was so dark that if we could get in and host a corporate worship time, it would surely displace the darkness. Of course, over the course of a year, we ended up hosting four worship nights at a park in downtown Isla Vista. We invited churches across Santa Barbara to join us. A year prior to this, my wife and I had started a skateboard ministry at the local skate park. We would bring a grill to the park every Thursday night and barbecue food for the local skate kids. God showed us that hospitality has always been a major part of church life and that food was a great tool in the ministry of reconciliation. Based on our skateboard ministry, we felt convinced that we ought to have food at the first at the first worship night, but we did not have the budget for that, so we prayed. Within the week, Robin Hewlett and Jason Lomolino got in contact with us and asked if we wanted to barbecue wanted them uh, wanted them to barbecue for the event. They also offered to pass out flyers throughout the city to raise awareness for the event. All our needs for the ministry were being met through prayer. This series of events laid the foundation for the Jesus Burgers ministry. After the fourth and final worship night, a few of us decided to walk down Del Playa to the epicenter of the parties. As we walked, the Lord showed me his heart for that street. He wanted to move in. We began regular prayer walking on Del Playa each weekend. This activity quickly became prayer evangelism, for as we would be praying and mingling with the crowd, students would approach us for sex or drugs. We responded quickly, no way. Then the partiers would ask what we were doing, and we would tell them that we were praying. What was the usual response? Once we presented the gospel to them, bizarre things would happen. We encountered a lot of threats and witnessed outbursts of anger against God and others. Our group didn't behave very maturely in those early days. All we had was love and hope. As it turns out, love and hope are all you need. 
Kim and I were convinced God would have, would have us move to Ivy with our family. We began praying for a permanent house in Isla Vista. God highlighted four houses to me and gave me a promise. Two of them were across from a little park with a view of the ocean and a short walk to the beach access. The others were down the street closer to campus. For a few months, I drove out to Isla Vista every week and prayed over these houses, asking God to give them to us. We waited, waited patiently, but many weeks passed, and Kim and I did not receive what we knew the Lord had promised us. My faith felt crushed. It was difficult to keep praying, but we did. My daily thought sustained me that, quote, through faith and patience inherit the promises, which is from Hebrews 6.12. From the next six months, for the next six months, a group of us from reality continued prayer walking in the streets during weekend parties. Finally, I heard God speak to me again about the four addresses. I am giving you that house, he would say. What house, I'd ask in my head. I felt God had led me down the time bef- let me down the time before, so I did not want to believe him. But this time, he added, for the church family. Then it made sense. If God had given the house to me earlier, I would have moved in with my wife and kids. Instead, God wanted a community of students living together on Del Playa. I told Britt Merrick about this conviction and asked him to pray. I met with the management companies and discovered that two of them had already been rented and the third one required $6,000 up front just to get on the waiting list. I did not have faith for that kind of money. I went across the street from 6686 Del Playa Drive. It was the only property of the four God had shown me whose details and owner remained unknown. For all I knew, it was already rented. I stared at the property, hanging on to hope and praying for God to work. His promise came to me again. I am giving you this house. I decided to anoint the house with oil as an act of faith. I was in the process of smearing the back corner when the drug-dealing tenants caught me on their property. A shady guy opened the back sliding door. What are you doing, bro? He asked. I'm anointing your house with oil. Oh, he said, closing the door. Phew. I kept on, a smile forming across my face. They didn't know the power in what I was doing. I hopped on the freeway back to Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara, to see if I could find someone to pray with me for that property. When I arrived, I went through the main sanctuary instead of the front office. Britt spotted me from across the room. Hey, Jacob, any news on getting an apartment in Del Playa? Some guy out in the hall overheard us and yelled, Are you looking for an apartment in Del Playa? In walked a man named Jason Cox. I told him that I was. I'm an apartment manager in Isla Vista. I have an apartment at 6686 Del Playa that I was about to put up for lease. Do you want it? That was the beginning of the Jesus Burgers house. God is amazing, and his word is true. What if Kim and I had given up the year before when I felt I had been let down? What then? Like his word says, we will, quote, through faith and patience inherit the promises. The next year, 12 young believers moved in. We planted the new church that September 2002, and I became the pastor. We served Jesus Burgers on Saturday nights and met for Sunday services in the front yard. Originally, our lease gave us access to the apartment only, not the detached two-car garage behind it. Jim, the owner of the property, used the garage for storage. About a year after our church began to lease the house, a group of us went to the Goleta Valley Healing Rooms, hosted by our pastor friends from the local vineyard church. During that time, I had a revelation about a house of prayer in Isla Vista on Del Playa Drive. And I asked Derica, Brian, Jason, and Holly to pray with me that Jim would allow us to use the garage behind the Jesus Burgers house. I remember praying and coming into agreement with everyone that if God would give us that back garage, we would consecrate it and make it holy unto him. It would be used only for his kingdom and for prayer. 
I had not spoken to Jim about the garage since we had first rented the property. Since then, I had only spoken to Jim a total of three or four times. I returned from the healing rooms around 9 o'clock that night. An hour later, I was in bed when the phone rang. It was Jim. Jacob, I was just getting ready for bread, bed, and I began thinking that you really deserve that garage in back of the house. I screamed into the phone. We just prayed you would give that to us. <laughs> yeah, you should have that, please, he said. I'll come this next week and clear out all my stuff. How much, I asked. No, it's yours. You deserve it. I like you guys. Then he asked me if he could take me out to dinner. He had questions about church and God. Amazing. God's love is so much bigger and greater than we could ever imagine. He loved Isla Vista way before my wife and I wanted to set foot in the place. He gave us his heart for Isla Vista. He ordered our steps. He paved the way for us to start a church and cultivate a ministry that could, would communicate his heart to the city. He is faithful, and if we believe and stay our ground, he will accomplish what he has promised. His story in IV has only just begun, and it's about to get a whole lot more glorious. Welcome, Holly, up. Okay, I love the history. <laughs> it's just, God has done so many amazing things. It's overwhelming, honestly. Um, I've also been working on writing like a more detailed history and so I've been kind of in the looking back focus for a while and it's just it's amazing it's so fun um okay so when I I wanted to just share um a couple things that really stood out to me as I was thinking back to IV 20 years ago and just kind of what God it's crazy because um, it really was the years 2000 and 2001 that he was just doing so much. and um, But when you're in it, you don't realize, right, like all he's doing. You're just living your day-to-day -day life and saying yes to Jesus. And you don't realize a lot of times what he's actually building and doing. And when you will take the time to listen to him and just step out in faith, just the, the things he's paving the way for that are still yet to come. It's incredible. It's just, there's nothing like a journey of faith with God. That's for sure. So, um, but the two biggest things that stand out to me is number one, the importance of prayer. Um, and some of my stories in the Jesus Burgers book, and I'm giving a lot more detail in this longer version I'm working on writing, but um, it's so crazy because my my journey with IV began, I'm not going to give a lot of detail and time to this, but it began in South Africa when I was debriefing off of, after a mission trip in 1998. And um, God spoke to me really clearly. He said, you're going to go to Westmont, but your ministry is going to be at UCSB. And I was like, okay, Lord, cool. I didn't even realize like how far away they were from each other and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, sounds great. Um but what is so cool is that um, in that debriefing, this organization did a super good debriefing, and they had this whole theme for us about mountains. And basically, like, this whole theme out of um, Joshua 1 and with Caleb and Joshua and how you take your mountain. And, um, and their whole key to that was prayer. You take your mountain by prayer, and that's how you go. And so they even at one point had us, like, well, I don't know if they told us to draw it, but I drew it. I drew like a picture of my mountain and I put UCSB as my mountain. And then I think they had us put it in a fire to represent that the ash or the, not the ashes, the sparks were like our prayers going up to God, which is how we will get our mountain that, that we're asking God for. Um, so it's just so cool that like 
even at the very, very beginning of my call, there was already that Joshua 1 theme, which we didn't talk about a lot today, but that has always been a huge theme God's had and this idea of mountains. So I think everyone who was involved in IV, Jacob, me, and anybody else in those early years and people who'd been doing ministry out here way before us always realized that the mountains that we faced in IV could only be moved by prayer. So um, I remember in, I guess it was 2000, um, that led my friend Robin and I to having these um, early morning, we'd meet at 6 a.m. I'm like, wow, I was so gnarly back then. Like, I could never do that now. But um, we'd have 6 a.m. daily prayer times together every morning. And that just kept, like, stirring our hearts for IV and just interceding for the city, which led to this um, desire to have a 24-7 week of prayer, which is really what captured Jacob and Kim's heart. For IV, which led them to starting Monday Night Prayer, which is also celebrating its 20th anniversary. This is actually celebrating the 20th anniversary of Monday Night Prayer. Yeah, Hannah? Because <laughs> that started even before Jesus Burgers, or I guess probably about the same time. Probably pretty close to the same time. But as um, I remember, Jacob got in touch with me after that 24-7 week of prayer, like all stirred up about IV, and I'm already living out here, like doing ministry. And he's like, we need to do more for IV. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's what I've been doing, buddy. I'm really glad you're on board, but I'm going off to Kenya. So like, peace, you got to figure out what you're going to do yourself. So he started doing prayer and praise God. That's what he did. Cause that really, um, ultimately led to more ministry in IV and his heart getting stirred up, which led to getting the Jesus burgers house. Like you just read, which I love that story and the story of the house of prayer. Both of those just really coming from a place of prayer and coming from God doing the miraculous that we could have never done. And, um, you know, getting the Jesus burgers house really is what led to the start of the church and all that we're living in. So, um, still today, just remembering that our prayers are the greatest single power we have to see IV transformed. And, um, I think that's really important as we look back on our history and a 20-year anniversary is that this really began in prayer and it will be continued in prayer and seeing, you know, Jacob's vision and some of the visions many of us have had over the years of just the city transformed even way more radically than what we're seeing right now, that's really going to happen through prayer. Um, and then the second thing that stands out, I'm going to call it the revelation of Acts 2.42, but it's basically the epiphany of feeding people and food and ministry. Um, but Acts 2.42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So you still have that prayer part, you have that fellowship part, teaching, obviously, which, you know, I think the church at large has always been pretty good at that in America, but the fellowship and prayer and breaking of bread, I remember at that point, I didn't see a lot of that happening. Um, and so God spoke that verse to me um, before I even met Jason, before I knew anything about Jacob, um, back when I was seeking God for how are we going to reach IV, um, he told me, he showed me things out of the book of Acts and that verse and then um, told me they'll know you're Christians by your love for one another and kind of gave me this realization that we need to go after being the body of Christ the way he intended us to be. And that was the secret to reaching the city and reaching the lost. It wasn't, you know, going out and having big evangelism tent crusades or whatever 
like I thought maybe that's how what we needed to do. And he's like, no, um, this is how this is going to be your secret. So I love that that is exactly what he's done over these 20 years, like without any of us even being particularly intentional about it. He's like, OK, here's a house. Here's a community. You're going to learn how to love radically. You're going to start this ministry where you're just loving on people by feeding them. And my one of my favorite things is when um, we'll hear people in the community talk about um, Jesus burgers or the house or anything, and they'll often say that they love so well, and that and just that that's what we're known for. I'm like, yes, this is we're getting it right. Like this is the gospel. Um, so anyway, whenever God was speaking that stuff to me, and I first moved out to IV. I was like, okay, roommates, we're going to break bread together. We're going to fellowship. We're going to be like, have this radical Christian community. They were a little bit like, uh, chill. Like, I guess if you make dinner for us, we'll eat with you. But like, I don't know if we're up for everything you're trying to put on us right now. But, um, but then that did actually lead to this Friday night, the Friday night dinners, which that's in the book. Jason didn't talk about that, but that was how he got connected to IV was these Friday night dinners that we started. And that was, um, that did start with a very evangelistic cart. So that was to invite the neighbors over to eat meals with us to get connected with people who didn't know Jesus. And then obviously 2001, Jason having his idea of a citywide barbecue as a way to share love and the gospel with all of IV. And I just think like when I was reading these books, and Jason and I were talking about it, I just thought how amazing it was that with, you know, at that time, Jason and I didn't even know each other, and I don't even think I'd met Jacob. We just had, like, a phone call, and he signed up on my prayer thing, so I'd emailed him to remind him to pray, you know? Um, but God was, like, doing the same thing with stirring our hearts with the prayer and the feeding thing. <laughs> um, so it's just really neat to look back and go, oh, that was so clearly God. Like, he was the one doing that. It was no just good idea any of us had because, you know, Jacob, as we just heard, also had experienced the power of feeding people through his skate park ministry barbecues and wanted to do the same thing in IV. Um, so, but like really, obviously we know this. We know it's not about a burger or a taco or bless the tacos tonight, but um, it's not about that, right? Like why did God even say, or why did the early church spend so much time devoting themselves to breaking bread together and to fellowship? Because, well, I don't know why exactly. No. Um, but it's because that is the heart of like community and then this idea of love like that that's how we are genuinely fellowshipping and we are experiencing love and we're experiencing radical community with each other which is IBC is usually pretty good at right um but what he also showed us um there were two verses that God actually really I remember in those early years spoke to, I don't even know. I feel like he spoke them to Jason. I remember other people talking about them. I remember him speaking to that one. This one I would contribute totally to Jason, though. He loved this verse. He still loves it. But Proverbs 18, 16 says, a gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. So just this sense of giving a gift opens up a door, right? And that's really true. So giving a burger opens up a door, opens a way for something more to follow. Um, and then Romans 12, 20 through 21 says, says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
And I remember when God spoke that verse to us, it was really clear that it wasn't like the people in IV were our enemy, right? It was that there was such, especially at that point, sorry, I'm shaking because I'm super cold, (laughs) not nervous. I'm like, I need my blanket up here. Um, But anyway, I remember God, or the, the disparity between the light and darkness was so intense back then. And I think those of us who were here during those years and remember that, that's part of what we can see God has done such a massive shift and that we even though maybe the church isn't like, you know, a thousand people yet or whatever, we haven't seen hundreds and hundreds of people before our eyes come to know Jesus. We know that God has been incredibly victorious and that a lot of ground has been taken because there is so much more favor and there's so much more headway and the spiritual atmosphere has really drastically changed. And we're not saying that there's not still darkness in IV, clearly, right? There's still a lot of things that God needs to come and change and redeem in people's lives here. But that that um, darkness and light contrast was really, really intense in those years. Um, and I think we felt, honestly, we felt really oppressed and really beat down a lot of times. It just felt like you were going to, I don't know, like you were just going to come out and just hope you could survive the night and like make it home in the spirit, you know? Um, and so it was like, just God giving us this revelation of what you need to overcome darkness is good. You don't be overcome by evil, but you overcome evil with good. And you just start loving and you just start bringing good and you just start bringing light. And um, and the hamburger ministry was really that. I feel like that was, that was what God was having us do. It was just something so simple, so tangible to start to pierce the darkness. Um, So in closing, I just want to read, um, I didn't read the whole book in the last day or two, but I was getting drawn to certain other testimonies, and one that I ended up reading all of was um, Eric Mason's testimony. And there were actually a couple quotes in there that I was like, oh, that's super good, and I felt like he summed up some really key things, so I just want to share those real quick. So one of the things he wrote was, this was the first spiritual reality that God taught me from Jesus Burgers. He's actually, it was, it was in the context of a Halloween night, which was where in those days we always felt the darkness super strong. It's so mellow now, but, um, but like he talks about how we were in the house of prayer worshiping and it just started to feel so much lighter versus the oppressive stuff out on the streets. And so he says, this was the first spiritual reality that God taught me from Jesus Burgers, that the littlest bit of light is always stronger and brighter than the darkest darkness. And I think that we can really testify to the truth of that that we've seen out here. Um, and then he says later, Jesus Burgers is not an outreach that attempts different techniques to convince people of the gospel. It is a celebration of Christ's love for us and for the world as we intercede for the city of Isla Vista in prayer and power. And that is what I have for you. My wife is a legend. <laughs> she really is, though. <laughs> you only knew. You only knew. Um, you know, in Jesus Burger 3, this is a quote by me. I really like this quote. <laughs> when we minister to the belly, God can minister to the heart. All right. Well, Jesus, we just say thank you. Uh, let the testimony, God, forever be of your faithfulness. God, that we would all leave and say, look what Jesus did. God, in your word promises, at the increase of your government and your peace, there would be no end. So, God, we believe the best days still await this city and all that you want to do in it, God. 
Stir our hearts, God, for what's stirring yours right now in this season. And God, just continue to move us forward as a church body that loves you and loves the city and continues to do community together. Hallelujah. Amen.